Welcome to Keeping Up With Life, where we empower you with health, business and family life strategies for you to live your best days. I'm your host, Pippa Hansen. I'm the CEO, a mother of teenagers and have a passion to live an active and healthy life. Each episode contains practical tips and insights on how you can succeed in all aspects of your life, delivered to you in bite-sized pieces to implement straight away. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Injury Clinic, whose mission is to enhance the lives of its clients, staff, other professionals, and the greater community. Welcome back again, Caroline Bender. Caroline's a pelvic floor physiotherapist. She's been on our show before and is uh, very passionate about women's and men's pelvic health in its entirety. Welcome, Caroline. Thanks for having me. Now, today we're discussing menopause. Yes. I'm intrigued as to why we're talking to you today as a pelvic floor physiotherapist about this topic. Well, you're talking to me today because in my work as a pelvic health physio, and I think this is definitely women's health physiotherapy, although it does affect partners of women, um, we see women who have problems with bladder control related to the changes of menopause and sexual health. Women do experience some some particular issues. Um, Some women think they've sailed through menopause and then they actually end up having some of the issues related to the menopause and didn't didn't know it. And some women do go through a lot of changes at menopause and don't know where to turn. So, yeah, we see, we, we, we end up doing a lot of education and just trying to explain to women what's going on and how things are changing and what that means. And so is there an age in particular that this relates to? Yeah, so normally women will go through menopause um, anything between the ages of 45 to 55. And um, there is something called perimenopause. It's a, a roughly two-year period during which the hormones, the reproductive hormones, um, start to deplete and change and go down. And um, then officially she will have her last period and 12 months after that last period, you're officially in menopause, postmenopausal. And, that, and, 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 and an awful lot of people don't even know that. And can I just say, 45 is very young. It is very young, isn't it? There are women that are still having children in their Absolutely. early 40s. So that, yeah. you, know, you, you may have a woman going through this and she's got friends with little babies. And, um, you know, we, we do meet women who have babies at this time. There was actually... There is actually just as a little aside. <laughs> go uh, on. At, when when you're going to go into menopause and your hormones are changing, um, there is a particular hormone that pushes out the eggs, um, follicle stimulating hor- hormone that goes up because it's trying to push out these get these Hurry eggs up. out. Like, gosh, save the human race! And that is this critical point when some women might let the guard down with um, contraception. And typically, it's a time that we need to be careful because women can can get pregnant. So, um, so that's yeah. the biological clock part. It, well, too, too. <laughs> and and um, look, I think I'm right. And co- someone out there yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. It is actually the increase in that hormone that is measured to to show whether you're going into menopause, rather than your levels of progesterone and estrogen, which are your reproductive hormones, which are depleting. There you okay. go. But they're not depleting. I mean, again, this is another 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 thing that I find myself having to explain to women. Um, 
the progesterone and estrogen have different roles. So the estrogen drives the first half of the, the um, menstrual cycle and the progesterone is the from, from the peak of the, uh, the egg is, is released. And then the progesterone drives towards the period. So those two hormones are depleting at different levels at different times. It's not just a very even keel. So hence, there's this multitude of different symptoms that women might have. And yet some women don't have them. But we all know that some women had trouble with periods and had terrible premenstrual syndrome issues. And some women never even knew when they were going to get a period. So it's so, no different then, is it? Well, exactly. We're all different. We're all and, yeah. individual and, 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 and different. Um, and we've all got to know where to turn if we're the ones that are experiencing issues. So what are some of the symptoms for those that will have them then? So typically the perimenopausal symptoms are... Mood changes, this is all sort of textbook stuff that you'll read. Mood change, fluctuations, getting quite, feeling quite stressed and anxious about things, um, more so than usual. Um, um, uh, fluctuating periods, uh, close together, far apart, heavy, um, vaginal dryness, so sex becomes less comfortable, and... Um, we may even start at that point to be more um, symptomatic with bladder control problems um, for, um, for two reasons. One is um, overactive bladder, that going to the toilet more frequently, feeling a little bit more urgent. And the other one is stress incontinence where we leak with coughing, sneezing, laughing. And that's because estrogen supports collagen-connected tissue. So if that's depleting, there is less support and therefore we're more prone to this um, stress on the uh, connected tissue of the pelvic floor. So we will see a lot of people coming in with that problem um, and realising they're at that age, that between the 45 to 55 age group, and, oh, yeah, I might be having a few of those other symptoms, and, oh, menopause? Mm. Oh, what's that? So how does the overactive part fit in then? So the overactive part is, so that's the bladder, the little bladder, muscular bladder wall, which we've talked about in previous um, 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 episodes. Uh, That's the bladder wall itself is quite estrogen dependent. It's just a little bit more twitchy. It doesn't like relaxing quite as much. Mm. Now, you might just notice that when the bladder's full, you get these little feelings of, oh, gosh, whoa, I really need to go. And um, that whole thing... Is, is, is related to the de- depletion of those hormones. But that particular, once that starts and you don't understand it, uh, again, I think we've talked about this before, this is when you start, oh, I think I'll go more often. I think yeah, yeah. I won't push my bladder. Oh, my bladder doesn't hold me as, as well. And, of course, we are getting older and we start to blame it on, oh, well, I'm getting older and I had my kids 20, 30 years ago and, oh, well, it's to be expected. Uh, and, I'm, and now I'm, I'm, I'm changing my behaviours. Mm. And putting if, up with it, I think, yeah, as you've discussed just, before. Yeah. yeah. So if, if we'd said, oh, this is I'm at this time of life, anything expecting and being prepared – then we can take action and, you know, come and see pelvic health physios or mm. see our GP or, or be informed and be ahead of the game. Mm. Okay, so they're the peri symptoms. What about the actual menopause symptoms once you've... Well, again, um, I think it's fair to say that the, the sort of the anxiety issues would seem to settle. Um, unfortunately, we are probably maybe into a pattern of the overactive bladder issues. 
Um, and if we're not really great with pelvic floor, um, we might be getting more of our bladder control issues. But again, not for everyone. For some people have done their brilliant pelvic floor exercise or they uh, haven't had so much stress to pelvic floor, floor through life. Um, so I think the two main ones are the bladder control, um, an overactive bladder, and the sexual symptoms. So there is a, a term... Um, for this, and it's GSM, genital um, u- urinary symptoms of menopause. The genital area being sexual health, urinary being the bladder control. GSM, genital urinary symptoms of menopause. So talk to us about that because I'm presuming that people don't associate that with menopause. Well, I... I I think not. I think that women just think, oh, I mean, we hear it so often. Um, women just think, oh, look, I'm getting older and, oh, look. And, I, I mean, I think some of these issues may have started a little bit way back and they really start to escalate. And, I mean, I think at the, this stage of life that a lot of these issues do overlap with what is ageing. Mm. Um so, for example, I, I would say there is one I've actually missed, and that is a change in um, slight the way that fat is distributed in the body. Um, so after menopause, without a doubt, um, there is increased weight um, and fat tissue around the waist. And um, a lot of pit women struggle with that. Um, and there is this one... I'd like to have this explained to me, but a lot of women complain of weight gain, and I have looked into this, and I have read quite a complex study telling me that, yes, women do gain weight, roughly average, let's say, about three kilos of of extra weight after menopause, but it's not related to menopause. It's related to other factors. (laughs) So So lifestyle? Is that because the kids are off their hands, so it's wine night every night? (laughs) I don't know. And, again, if somebody else is out there and wants to come forward somehow or other and and an endocrinologist out there come and really explain the finer details, I really... (laughs) really have tried to look into this because I know women are bothered and they're worried they've lost control of their abdomen and I'm I'm I mean the 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 funny thing is post-menopause we have we do have a type of estrogen in our body it's not reproductive estrogen that's estradiol we have a different um, type of men- uh, uh, estrogen, it's called estrone, and it's produced in fat cells. So <laughs> those very fat cells that we're we're, we're fighting yeah. are um, producing this them. estrogen, which is <laughs> there. It's the it's the only estrogen we have. And interestingly, you would know that increased being overweight is a risk factor for certain cancers, um, certain hormone driven cancers, and then. Of course, we've all in this this postmenopausal depleted state. Women who are on who have breast cancer that is a, a estrogen dependent breast cancer have to be totally depleted with medications of every um, ounce of that um, estrogen that we do have mm. after menopause. So um, it's complex, you mm. know. Um, it's complex, uh, and yeah, I, I, I wish that that we were all generally better informed about it. Well, I suppose it's you know it's um, gone from a taboo topic as well, isn't it? People, women wouldn't have talked about menopause mm. and their symptoms, mm. you know, and well, now and now yeah. they are, but they're not all the same. So no wonder women are confused. True, and also um, I think it was was it the mid two thousands when a massive study was done on hormone replacement therapy, and they stopped the study because some 
I think it was, again, I feel a little bit blurred on my exact details here as to why the study was stopped. There must have been some poor outcomes with with the people that were on the treatment um, arm of the study, and they stopped it. And we are uh, only just coming out of the hangover of that. Women were totally put off hormone replacement therapy. Hormone replacement therapy was this terrible thing that was going to cause increased breast cancer, increased um, death, and God, it was terrible, terrible. So it got the bad name. Bit like AstraZeneca. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be topical. Yes. So, um, but now I think we are much more, I, I still think the hangover's out there. There are women I'll speak to, did you ever, were you ever offered hormone? No, no, no. It was never even mentioned. It was yeah. as though we're not even going to go there. Whereas I think now that we, we're getting back to a point where women are perhaps hopefully being more informed and perhaps um, with health being more more trying to be proactive rather than reactive and screening, um, asking women about these things. Um, so is it still being used today then? Hormone replacement therapy, very much so. Yeah. Hormone re- replacement therapy is is can be absolutely life-changing for women who are having um, menopausal symptoms. Mm. And I'm a postmenopausal woman myself, and, and I, my choice was to, to use hormone replacement therapy for, for, for several, many years. Mm. Um, but, uh, yes, you, you, you have to go in informed and do your homework and have an empathetic health professional who's prepared to talk and has the time mm. to talk through all the pros and cons. There are lots and lots of options. I'm absolutely not even um, qualified at all to go into the details on what's available. Yeah. But you can have, you can take the, you can take the actual pills, you can take patches, there's various permutations. Um, and without a doubt, I, d- I am qualified to say that there is also just even a cream and a little tablet that can be used at the vagina only if for those women who are getting, say, like sexual symptoms where the vagina is not as comfortable, there is less lubrication, and it, it can seriously add, you know, affect women's sex life. So using vaginal estrogen is, is, is a form of hormone replacement therapy, but exceptionally safe, safe. and yet the, the actual packet that, that it comes in has the same sort of contraindications as the stuff that you take orally. Mm. And and yes, there are a couple of, there are, there are lots of benefits. And then there is like one in X hundred thousand where there might be an increased um, case of whatever. Yeah. Um, and so that goes into the topical estrogen uh, uh, packaging. Mm. So women read that. And when you read, if you read contraindications to Panadol, you probably wouldn't take it. You'd be it. worried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's, you know, we read all those contraindications um, oh my god, I can't take that. So many women come in, they say, Oh, the doctor prescribed it, but oh, I didn't want to take it. So, you know, the conversation wasn't had, that all the details weren't given. Or information overload sometimes, too. You know, not expecting well, the conversation to go that way, getting all the information, almost agreeing to it, walking away, going, Oh, I probably need to well, ask a exactly, few more questions. Where do I need to go? Yeah. And I would say the Australian Menopause Society is a fantastic website. Um, I'm, a, I'm a member as a, as a physio to, to try and be able to access um, um, workshops and all the rest of it. Um, so go, let's go back to these sexual symptoms also. So less lubrication, what other things impact? Okay, so yes. So so if we go back to those two critical well-known issues, the there's the and the sexual symptoms. The estrogen, the vagina is has a lot of estrogen receptors, which and those estrogen receptors 
cause um, lubrication. Uh, if you look at um, a microscopic picture of the walls of the vagina in the premenopause time, normal walls of the vagina, the cells are really thick. They look like cushions. <laughs> Put it like that. Now, if you look at the same sort of picture of postmenopausal walls of the vagina, the cells are thin. And that's that sort of a, it's a thinning effect of the tissue, no very poor lubrication. So let's say with sexual activity, a woman might have her normal arousal response no lubrication, and there's a bit of a disconnect there. What's going on? So you just simply have to be able to say, well, that's a normal part of this um, stage of life. Well, I'm going to use a lubricant. Now, what's out there? Whoever informs anyone about what's out there and and, mm. and what, are, what do I use and what are the pros and cons? So we spend ages explaining that there are three versions of lubricant, oil-based, silicon-based, water-based, all the pros and cons of those three different options. And there is a type of, uh, it's not quite, I'll call it a lubricant, but it's for use, more regular use, and it's called a vaginal moisturiser. Moisturiser for every part of your body. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite sorbonne, but um, it literally draws moisture moisture out of the walls of the vagina and it's, it's it's can be used ongoing and there is a particular vaginal moisturizer out there called replens which which also, which has been studied greatly for women who are post breast cancer and cannot use vaginal estrogen a big problem for women who are on absolute estrogen depletion so there are vaginal moisturizers out there that are non-hormonal and, you know, this simple stuff has to be explained. Um, so, yeah. And you, you made a comment earlier, which is now quite relevant to these symptoms, that, you know, you are a women's and men's pelvic health um, physio, but this topic's mainly women, but it does impact men because of this. So, Of course. So of course. what impact does this have? Well, of course it affects. I mean, uh, if, if, if a woman has discomfort when she has sex, um she might not want to have sex or she might just push through. And there are an awful lot of women who are just saying, let's get the job done quick, right? And so what if it hurts? Because I need to do this. It's it's what's expected. It's part of our relationship. I might not be enjoying this much anymore, but what am I going to do? Mm. So um, if you keep pushing through discomfort, there there can be a secondary issue where the muscles get very tense and tight and start to drive the problem. So um, now if that woman is saying, well, look, I don't really want to have sex and, you know, we're not communicating and a partner feels rejected. I mean, we're talking about relationship mm. issues here. Yeah, um, the emotional or, things, or yeah. People who, who, or people who, or couples who are just, they, they, they've accepted it, but they're sad. Mm. And I meet a lot of women in, in a later stage of life who miss the intimacy and the connection because if women are afraid of that painful thing which is penetration and we are completely pushing our partners away and there is no intimacy well we've got to start saying oh okay this is the case this is what I can do or if penetration is the painful part let us broaden our minds to and have the conversation about 
multiple other intimate practices that we might engage in that are normal sexual practice and do not lead to, we have the understanding uh, we're not going to uh, proceed to vaginal penetration because it hurts mm. you know as you said it's communication and if the woman's identified that these symptoms are actually a part of menopause, but if she hasn't, yeah. then where does she start? Where does she go? Who exactly. does she talk to? So she's feeling a bit guilty and she's feeling bad. And without a doubt, I do want to um, underline that, I mean, we, we deal with painful sex for women at all life stages. And there is a whole group of younger women who have particular issues that lead to painful sex. And, and what is acknowledged or has recently been acknowledged in various studies is that partners feel terrible. Mm. They feel helpless. They don't know where to turn. They don't know. Do they? Yeah, they do they feel part of the pro- like pain? Do they? They are. They are fearful yeah. of hurting their partner. Mm. They don't want to. They don't know. You know. You you you've got to try and be be given guidance to overcome the issue, and um, that's why in all stages of of, of our consultations, we encourage um, partners to come in and to be part of the solution. And, and and I think also to, to be able to see what women have to go through to get their solutions, mm. um, but that they are part of the solution. And um, I think we, we get probably get better outcomes when partners participate. Well, it's education and, and the yeah, confidence to absolutely. be part of that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, and sometimes um, the partner may have different questions to what the female yeah, that's going through is yeah, thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a pelvic health physio... Um, we are about the physical, we are about muscles, we're about um, pain, discomfort, alleviating these sort of pr- practical things. Um, we have a very distinct line when it comes to relationships and, and yeah. emotional, then we will refer to psych- psychologists. Yes. But, um, you know, we have to have be across that um, and we just have to know when to refer on. Um not always easy, but, you know, we, we just have to know our, our limits. Yeah. Well, the emotional side is obviously driving someone as to why they've come in for help. Yes, the mm. pain side, but there's more to it, as you've just said. Mm. So mm. understanding that. But, yeah, there's obviously your um, – what you do is um, assisted with other allied health professionals. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, team team approach and, yeah. um, you know, definitely getting women to go and talk to their their health professionals, their, their doctors, GPs, and if they're not being listened to, there are there are GPs who do specialise, who do have a special interest in, in seeking those people out. And I think we've discussed before, if you're looking to bring a tradesperson to your house, you know, you'll get three quotes, but when it comes to your health, you don't always go and get that second or third well, opinion. Well, good point, good point. <laughs> three quotes so, keep for your car, but yes, not for your body. Yes, uh, but, um, yes, so, um, yeah. So a lot of the menopause um, symptoms can be quite easily managed if people understand what's actually going on and what's causing them. Definitely. Um, I mean, hormone replacement therapy is very uh, uh, exceptionally effective at its job. Uh, it might have to be worked through, and if it's not for you, if genuinely you've looked at the pros and cons and say, I don't want to use that, um, for whatever reason, then looking at other options or working around the issues or, yeah, finding other solutions that are not um, hormone-based. So how long does menopause go on for? I'm going to say go on for. You may have different <laughs> terminology, but I've worked with women who have, you know, suffered these hot flushes for years. Yeah, and yeah. yeah I mean, they can. They can go on. They can go on for years. And, and some women, they don't at all. And, um, so, I mean, I think there is one other under the under the sexual health topic there is another 
There is another um, element to which we perhaps haven't touched on that women might notice that might hit them around that time of life, and that is um, decreased libido, decreased response. Um, And there is is actually a term called anorgasmia, and it means inability to achieve an orgasm. And women can go in and out of that through life, according to what life stage they're at. Um, So, um, yes... I've just lost my track. Yeah, now you're talking about um, decreased libido as a part of menopause. Yes. So um, now if if that is very much that sort of related to the menopause uh, time of life, again, that might work itself through and resolve itself with time. The hot flushes might resolve themselves with time. We've said for a lot of women, a lot of those symptoms resolve themselves mm. with time. Yeah. Um, and, and if they don't, well, we need to be working out why not. I would say... Um, that some of those things that we think are menopause um, linked, they may be due to life stage and stress is going on in life. Um, we know that if we're a little bit stressed, if our mind is in lots of different places, we've got teenage kids driving up the wall, maybe <laughs> or not, being lovely and wonderful. But well, cur- um, our, In our current climate, which I know we don't <laughs> want to keep talking about, but these mums that are homeschooling. Well, I know. The stress of those sorts of things and trying to work some of them. Yeah, just extraordinary. But when when you've got a lot of stress going on in your life and then you're finding that, you you know, you're exhausted and you're tired and, you know, you wonder why your libido isn't as good, um, maybe we won't just pin it all on menopause. Um, And, again, you know, sexual activity, if it's trying to happen when we've just got to go to sleep, and we've got a house full of teenagers who think their parents don't have sex anymore. Yuck. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. it's just, there's, there's, there's lots of issues at play and it might not all be the hormones, but it's a again, it goes back to that uh, working out the layers and having mm. the right people to talk about and just looking at what are the issues and how can I unravel them and find some solutions. So if it's menopause related, what's the solution? If it's menopause related, go and go and talk to your health professional and um, have the conversation about whether hormone replacement therapy is right for you. There will be. I know that there are health practitioners and and particularly, let's say, naturopaths, etc., who can offer natural solutions as well. So talk to your GPs, your naturopaths, um, all the people out there who are offering solutions. Um, to this issue and again if none of those you don't want to be taking either naturopathic or or homeopathic or whatever or uh, western medicine type solutions hormone solutions um how am i going to manage it in in what way increase your amount of oysters that you're eating Uh, well (laughs) i'm no no health professional (laughs) yeah i can't stand oysters but uh, maybe there's something there (laughs) um Yes. No, it's a very serious topic, and as, you, as you've said, because it impacts women's lives, and as, yeah. and it can impact their relationships, and it can um, then impact other areas of yeah. their lives, their friendships, their work yeah. relationships. And I think um, um, all around, just we have to understand. I mean, I remember doing um, um, uh, 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 an in-service here for the other physios, regular physios, explaining, 
Yes, when 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 um she's throwing off the clothes because she's so hot, it's not because she really really likes you. But um, <laughs> you know those hot flashes really do hit, and you've almost literally got to rip off a layer. But um, it doesn't, do it doesn't mean we're jumping into bed. Is that what you're saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. Read exactly. the read the right cue cards. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, we're just a bit hot, bit 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 sort of steaming up. But um, but like we say, that can settle. Yeah. So once once these symptoms, if you've had, if women are suffering these, oh, I say suffering, that's probably not necessarily the right mm. word, is it? But if, if women are going through some of these um, symptoms and it, they come to an end, then what happens? Like they well, sort of life goes back to some form of normalcy? Well, of course, yes, yes. You know, but but I think, again, um, we, we're, we, we all go through life stages and I think – we all come to terms with the new 5060 version of me. <laughs> and I say that in particular with relation to the body shape. And I'm not saying we should just, I, I know for health reasons, we have to make sure we keep our, our weight in a healthy range, etc. But you know, if you're desperately trying to get back to a waistline from your 20s and you're in your 60s, well, it's just not going to happen. You need to see a psychologist probably. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, and I don't say that totally flippantly yeah. because, um, you know, you know that picture, that sort of, you know, the baby and then there's the the the, 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 the male growing up and the woman and then it goes and across the hump over. and then they stoop and yeah. then they're... And I often... <laughs> I often say to, to people, uh, what is a 100-year-old man or lady? They're a teeny little skinny person without much muscle fibres because with ageing we lose muscle fibres, sarcopenia, and we have to work so hard to keep it all, um, you know, going. But I think we have to come to terms. Menopause is a big one when there are a lot of changes. And if you look at the photo of yourself in your 40s and then, you know, a woman looks at it, I'm 57 when I look at a photo of myself, I am a middle-aged lady. You know? 57 I'm, I'm heading... you, 37. You know that. <laughs> but I have to. Yes. I ha- yeah. We have to embrace and look at, uh, okay, I've, I've been eating. I mean, for me personally, if, if I, I used to be able to eat anything I want, if I drop the guard and just, oh, damn it, I'm going to have the cake and I'm going to have the dessert, it's straight around my middle. Yeah. You know? So I have to watch it and just be, you know, careful. Mm. But I have to accept that uh, I might be wearing looser tops for me personally, <laughs> okay, because there is that body change. And when I look at the photo of that person, I'm, I'm in that life stage and I embrace it. And there is an awful lot of stuff out there about menopause being this gateway to glorious self-awareness and all that stuff, which, yes, it could be. The new me, I'm so confident and I've raised my children and I've done all this stuff. And that's wonderful and brilliant. But, um, you know, the woman that hasn't got to that might be feeling a bit gloomy and sad. Yeah. That <laughs> Hey, I didn't find the gateway. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's all um, get uh, educated Let's all move through this phase of life and let's move into a phase of life where we accept that we are not in our 2030s now. We're in our 50s going on 60s. Yeah. New life phase. Good piece of advice. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, so thank you. What, what's your, I suppose, one message that you want to get across today for women? 
I think... Or, or have, two or three. But yeah, I, you know. Well, to, to <laughs> men and women, I would say education. Just look for the signs that um, there's something that's uh, uh, upsetting where you're at in your life and, you know, go and get some answers. Um, that's, I think, would be the main thing. Yeah. And reach out to those health professionals that are out there yeah. and know their yeah. stuff with this, you know, pelvic yes. floor, yeah. physiotherapists. You've got a team. Yes, true. I would say, yes, uh, which is relevant at the moment for anyone who might be listening and thinking, like, I'm going to come and see my pelvic health physio. I'm about to go on some long service leave, but we have a great little team. Um, there are two physios at the Sports Indoor Clinic, um, Amy Faulkner and Usani Heron, and Dan and Dramana. We have Rebecca Bruce. And there are lots of... Pe- well, look, I always say there are lots of public health physios out there. <laughs> Not as many as other physios. No. But they are out there and, um, um, you know, might take a little bit of searching, but you'll find them. And the APA, the Australian Physiotherapy Association website, you can always go to find a physio and you actually put in pelvic health and your area and you can find physios who should be able to give you guidance with all these issues. Yeah, which is fabulous because if you are in our area, then your team is absolutely fantastic. And you, as you said, you see men, women, all ages. Yeah, um, But you might be rural Victoria, rural Australia. True, and And these, um, or somewhere else in the world, and this is really important for all yeah. women and their partners. So yeah. um, getting the right health professional to give you that advice and be um, open about the conversation because some of True. these things are still things that women don't talk about with their girlfriends. True. And I suppose that's where, I mean, I would say for us, the telehealth hasn't been huge because for so much what we do, it really has to be quite a physical. We do physical examinations, etc. But even that first conversation could be something that, you know, conversations on the phone. Um, mm. So perhaps we are at an age now, just from what we've learned in the past um, 18 months. That yeah, well, definitely. Get out there and talk. Definitely. Yeah. Um, your team could do telehealth across Australia and it really could be that first conversation that yeah. normalises some of these things that women could be so anxious and fearful of what's That's happening right. to them in their bodies. That's right. Absolutely. Fabulous. Thanks again. Good luck with the long service leave. Well, thank It'll be you. no time at all and you'll be back here on, a, on another episode. Indeed. What will it be? Thanks for having <laughs> You've me got again. 12 months to think about it. True, exactly. <laughs> Enjoy. Right. Thank you. If you have a topic you would like covered, get in touch via our socials. The contact details can be found in the episode notes. If you have loved listening today and are looking forward to future episodes, please subscribe, rate our show, share our podcast with your friends, work colleagues and families. So for now, goodbye. Thank you for tuning in today and see you next week.